Welcome to Manufacturing Talk Radio, your source for breaking news, business trends, and economic forecasts here and abroad that impact one-third of America's economy. And now your hosts, Lou Weiss and Tim Grady. Welcome everyone joining us for Manufacturing Talk Radio. Lou Weiss is actually traveling today on a business trip, so he will not be joining us. I, however, am uh, speaking with Anthony Nieves. Uh, He is from the Institute for Supply Management. He's actually the chair of the Non-Manufacturing Business Survey Committee. His report, which is the Non-Manufacturing Index Report, or the NMI, comes out shortly after Brad Holcomb's comes out. Uh, right around the first of every month, and Brad is usually in the first week of the month, uh, around the third, the fourth. I'm sorry, uh, Anthony's is. Uh, great information. If you're not familiar with the reports, we suggest you go to, uh, to uh, instituteforsupplymanagement.org under their news and research and look at those reports. But I'd like to jump into this very good report with Anthony Nieves and let him talk us through the contents of it and what it means. Uh, Anthony, thanks for joining us. Again today. Thank you. So we, as we look uh, at the. Look, yeah, sorry. you've got a great report. I'm sorry. I'm just going to let you kind of roll through that first section of it, if you would please. Thank you. So when we look at the report uh, that was released this morning, uh, the composite index came in at 55.2. It's down 2.4 percentage points from the 57.6. There are four indexes that make up this composite which include business activity, new orders, employment, and supplier deliveries. And the report uh, month over month has, uh, as I mentioned, went down 2.4 percentage points. And the question out there is, you know, is there a a pullback? Is it softening? Um, And at this point, uh, we'll have to wait and see how it trends out. But overall, this rate of growth has come off just a bit. Um, we've always wondered whether or not it would be sustainable uh, from the strong uh, growth that was reflected January, February. <clears throat> and we also have to keep in mind that historically we've seen this little bit of lag in the first quarter, which has not been the case uh, to this point in time for the non-manufacturing sector. Well, that's great. That certainly is um, exciting news that we've got a good, strong first quarter, which we've now wrapped up, and we're heading into the second quarter. Um, one of the big, uh, one of the big numbers in this report that look real positive to you, Anthony. Well, when we look at business activity at fifty-eight point nine, it has dipped from the sixty-three point six for the month of February, uh, but fifty-eight point nine is still strong growth. It's been a trend now for 92 consecutive months of growth in business activity. And new orders came in at the same exact reading at 58.9, which is down 2.3 percentage points from the 61.2, and also uh, 92 months consecutive uh, growth for new orders. So with business activity uh, with a strong number at 58.9, that tells us that uh, companies in this sector still uh, have uh, good levels of business, and 58.9 in new orders tells us that there's much in the pipeline still to uh, translate into uh, activity at a future date. Uh, Andy, why don't you give our listeners an idea of what kinds of industries are in this sector? 
It's a great question. When you look at the different industries that comprise the non-manufacturing sector, and it's exactly the same number as what you see on the manufacturing side, uh, but the industries that we have, uh, and, and sometimes referred to as services industry, uh, you start out in, in not any order here, but you have arts, entertainment, and recreation. You have educational services, management of companies and support services, accommodation and food services, mining, wholesale, construction, healthcare and social assistance, retail trade, agriculture, forestry, fishing and hunting, finance and insurance, real estate, rental and leasing, other services, which is a catch-all for what doesn't fit in some of these other categories like uh, uh, printing services and grant making, uh, public administration, professional scientific and technical services, utilities, transportation and warehousing, and last but not least, information. So those are the 18 industries that make up uh, the sector uh, for for the non-manufacturing. And in terms of GDP, your sector is a very large percentage of that. Is that correct? Yes, it's uh, it's better than 80% of uh, contribution to total GDP. And what uh, I know you you survey uh, a number of companies. Maybe you could share how many you do survey and, and share some of their comments with our listeners that appeared in this report? Sure. One of the things uh, that ISM has has done is before we came up with uh, the composite index for the non-manufacturing sector, which uh, came into play, I think it was back in 2000, uh, uh, 2008 was the first time we introduced the uh, composite index <clears throat> uh, for non-manufacturing. We look at the various industries that comprise uh, the non-manufacturing sector, and we survey uh, companies within these industries according to their contribution, uh, percentage contribution towards GDP, so that we have respondents that are broken out uh, categorically like that. So we run about 350 uh, respondents, uh, committee members, uh, that contribute to this report on a monthly basis across those 18 different industries that I mentioned previously. And we have done algorithms uh, with um, economists and practitioners and whatnot to ensure that when we look back historically and how we look at the various indexes and the roll-up to the composite index, how it maps historically. We did 10 years of historical uh, uh, data mapping to ensure that this composite index uh, would track according to where the GDP trends are. And what about the respondents? What are their comments uh, about what's going on? Well, you know, in the aggregate, and I'll, and I'll highlight a, a number of these, but in the aggregate, there's still a level of optimism from, from our respondents, but there's also this degree of uncertainty as it relates to changes and policy uh, and some of the policy in regards to trade and immigration uh, and how it's affecting uh, worker shortages and also um, health care. There's a number of comments surrounding health care and not just from the health care industry, but industries that are also impacted by that. So as we look towards some of the various um, industries that, that make up um, this, this uh, sector and their comments, and this one comes from uh, construction. Growth on a number of projects has slowed a little, but revenue projections are steady. 
The next one comes from finance and insurance, and it's the details of the revisions to the Obamacare program are of great interest to us. There is an amount of future uncertainty with what will happen. Meanwhile, the business continues. And that's, that's a true uh, indication of, of what, what we're getting across the board from these respondents in regards to health care. Um, I always like to look at um, uh, retail trade and, and wholesale. Retail trade, uh, their comment is overall business conditions are favorable and the outlook is positive. Mm, and okay. wholesale trade, why I always look at wholesale trade is because they are the intermediaries for, for the non-manufacturing sector and they add the time and place value uh, based on the disparate locations that you see in many uh, uh, multi-unit um, non-manufacturing type uh, companies. Uh, they are the uh, the conduit uh, for the supply chain from the uh, OEM and source uh, to the actual uh, uh, distribution and end-user uh, usage. So um, wholesale trade is, is, is one that, um, uh, as you see their business levels going up and down, that gives you a good indication uh, for what the marketplace is doing. Um, you know, management of companies and support services, their comment is continued optimism regarding the domestic business environment. Interesting enough, as it's commenting, as they're commenting on business, um, the domestic business environment, management of companies, professional scientific technical services, and information are those industries in the non-manufacturing sector that typically will export uh, services or knowledge management uh, overseas, because I always get asked that question, is what comprises exports in the non-manufacturing sector? It's not mm -hmm. so much uh, commodity goods that you would see on the manufacturing side. Okay. Okay. Um, you have a uh, annual and a semi-annual report that comes out, I guess, in December you put out your annual forecast, and then you're going to update that in May at the ISM 2017 conference. Is that right, Anthony? Yes, that release date is the 23rd of May. And it'll be interesting to see um, what what our respondents uh, provide us in regards to their forecast predictions, because we measure uh, different things uh, versus what we see in the monthly report. We will look at business revenues, and we will look at capital expenditures and capacity utilization, you know, operating rate. So it will indicate and, and reflect for us how efficiently companies are operating, how they are compared to their capacity levels, what's their capital reinvestment, and what their outlook is uh, in regards to the uh, economic uh, conditions for, for their respective uh, companies and industries. And while this report uh, rolled up to a slightly lower number, each month this is a roll-up report. Is that right, Anthony? And, and so I, I know that you get a lot of questions, why did it fall two points, instead of a question like, uh, it looks like it rolled up well above 50. How are we doing? <laughs> <laughs> that's, and that's a, great, that's a great point to make, that we're measuring change month over month. And so that baseline is a, is a moving target. So with that high rate of growth we had uh, last month, we're actually measuring the change from last month's high level to what are we showing this month. And in essence, yes, we're reflecting a, a slightly slower rate of growth, 2.7 percentage points, but you really can't put a numeric value to that versus 
how you're measuring the rate of growth and its change month over month. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it looks like business activity in non-manufacturing is still chugging along very well. Um, is that uh, what you expect to see in future months? What's, what's your kind of feel for uh, May, June? I always like to see how two or three months continuous to see, uh, and I say more three or four months to see what the trend is. And as I mentioned, you know, in, in the opening comments about how there is this feeling of a little bit of pullback, <clears throat> and I always like to say, well, is it pullback or is the level of growth was that truly sustainable? Was it able to maintain? Was the sector able to maintain that growth over a period of time? And if we were really seeing a, like last month's um, 63.6 in business activity, if we had that growing consistently month over month, we would all know about it because the economy would just be going gangbusters. And as it stands right now, things are, are looking good and, and it's it's things are optimistic. Uh, and from what I can see, both from our respondents' comments and in general, what's happening in the economy. Uh, so, I think that, again, uh, without deflecting the question, but saying that let's see how next month and the month thereafter, and then we can mm-hmm. see where the trend is going, and that will give us a better indication of how uh, what the true picture is. Sure, sure. Okay. Anything that the Trump administration has done so far that's been uh, either positively or negatively impactful on your segment, on the non-manufacturing segment? Well, I think right now it's more about confidence, and uh, there was definitely this bit of euphoria as it euphoria as it came out of uh, at post-election <clears throat> that uh, things would loosen up as far as availability of capital, uh, lending restrictions. These were some of the comments that were made, uh, "Made in America" slogan. And, and you know this is not with any political slant. This is going off of what the comments came from the from the uh, survey and the respondent comments, and this is what they were telling us that they were feeling uh, good about that. And one of the questions we have in the uh, um, semiannual coming up is about uh, reshoring versus offshoring, and so this whole uh, doing things domestically. Uh, what came out today in the newspaper about Boeing? is now being able to uh, export uh, and build planes for Iran and, you know, some of the other things that are coming up. So as it relates to shift in policy and different administration, um, you know, the initial reaction was that it was more uh, business friendly, uh, so to speak. So that's what the comments uh, were coming out of uh, our, coming from our respondents. So, again, we'll have to see. Time will tell. Uh, it still has to be executed. And, um you know, it just can't be uh, uh, commentary. It has to be something that uh, that has uh, some execution and, and uh, then there's traction behind it. Sure, sure. Uh, Anthony, employment in non-manufacturing, I know that there's a shortage of technical skilled labor in manufacturing that continues to plague the manufacturing sector. Is there a similar effect in non-manufacturing? Absolutely. And uh, this sector being uh, more labor intensive uh, with the uh, associated service type industries, and it's been uh, a short supply item uh, for this sector for quite some time. 
and um, so it's it's really hard to um, recruit and and keep staff certain skilled uh, positions. Labor in general has been uh, on the short side as its uh, application to to various needs, and um, you know it's also one of those variable expenses, uh, controllable variable expenses for the non-manufacturing sector. So we see a lot of ebb and flow in regards to. Uh, the employment, um, and, and is it matched up to the various business levels? And there's a cycle time associated with employment of the, um, you know, interviewing, recruitment, hiring, training, and getting them into the actual uh, workforce uh, for the respective uh, companies and industries. So when we look at, you know, labor in general, um, it's it's shown up uh, as being up in price. It's shown up as being in short supply. And uh, especially in the construction arena, uh, it's like uh, 12 months running that has been a shortage of uh, skilled workers in that uh, particular industry. Okay, okay. Uh, supplier deliveries, you know, we're so used to, to on Manufacturing Talk Radio talking about manufacturing and suppliers being raw materials. What is it on the non-manufacturing side that's being supplied? Well, it's it's in the when you look at accommodation and food services there's uh, food commodities uh, there's beverages there's um, you know a multitude of different products uh, you know hundreds of uh, thousands of SKUs of different uh, uh, commodity items and typically what you see and it, and it varies by industry as to what those deliveries might be but that's when I was mentioning earlier about the wholesaler adding that time and place value you see some of the big wholesalers that are dropping products off to these various uh, businesses and companies, and you see on the retail side, you see even in the QSR or the fast food uh, quick service restaurants, you see their trucks showing up. And so those deliveries, uh, as they're either slowing it based on availability, based on supply and demand, uh, and, and food may not be the best uh, example. It could be more on, uh, you know, in the healthcare arena, anything from medical devices or anything else. Uh, there was a shortage of IV solutions not too long ago. That was a trend uh, from, you know, the tail end of last year. And so that you'll see as uh, as the product uh, is less available and the demand is great, that you'll see the actual cycle time lengthen out and the deliveries will slow and backlog increases. It's all uh, integrated. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What about prices in non-manufacturing? I know in manufacturing we're seeing some uh, upward price movement, and that's probably to be expected since it really was held back for most of 2016 and even part of 2015, I think. How about price pressure in non-manufacturing? Well, I, I, you know, as in the, on the manufacturing side where we've talked in the past about uh, the price of metals and, and how that was uh, – impacting various uh, companies and the raw materials are more upstream and it takes a while for that to get passed through downstream uh, you know as it hits uh, non-manufacturing in the form of finished goods uh, versus in the assembling and raw material state um, you see a lot of the pricing uh, price increases driven uh, across the board in food commodities and also fuel fuel and you know petroleum petroleum based products is a, has a mm-hmm. great impact in the non-manufacturing sector especially how reliant they are on overland trucking and shipping and transportation 
And if it's not transposed uh, into the actual product cost, you'll see it in fuel surcharges. You'll see it in airline ticket costs. These are things that, that have come up as increases in prices in the past. In regards to pricing power, there's still not a lot of pricing power out there in the non-manufacturing uh, sector for, say, the retailers because it's been so cost-competitive um, as we've seen the, just with technology and online shopping and everything else and all the competitive uh, analysis that can be done right from your smartphone. Uh, it's still a, a pretty much a dog-eat-dog -dog world out there as far as competition. Um, but overall, uh, as I, you know, not to be redundant, but most of the price increases as we see are, are definitely commodity-based. Mm-hmm. Imports. What in in non-manufacturing? What's being imported, uh, Anthony? Well, that's that's a great question. You think about this. You know how much manufacturing has moved overseas, and and you guys being in the manufacturing sector know that that a lot of it has moved overseas. There's so much that comes in from from Asia. Uh, different different commodities that come in, uh, you know, from my past, uh, um, you know, a company that I work for, we were in the hotel industry and everything from our um, uh, packaging and uh, linens and, you know, bed sheets, things like that all came from overseas. Pillows came from mm. overseas. It uh, wasn't domestically manufactured. Furniture, uh, we had such a big concentration of manufacturing in this country, especially out of the High Point, North Carolina area. Uh, you still have some companies out of Virginia, but for the most part, much of the case goods are manufactured overseas. Even the domestic companies that are here in this country have their factories overseas. So you see a lot of imports in that regard. Okay. Okay. And I imagine there's some amount of uh, food and beverage coming in from overseas. Is that right? Yes. Yes. We still have, uh, you know, some of the mainstream commodities. Center of the plate protein is still very much uh, uh, domestic. Um, we do see on the seafood side imports, uh, especially in shellfish and even on some of the frozen products. But uh, majority of um, of our, our center of the plate proteins, the meat and the poultry, are all uh, domestic uh, uh, grown and, and harvested here. Okay. Anthony, this has been a pretty strong report. Is there, uh, I, I guess we're just kind of in a positive holding pattern at the moment as we watch each month roll out. Anything in this report that's, uh, hmm, got to watch that carefully as we move forward? I always like to keep an eye on employment. And I know that uh, the forecast came out, anticipation of 236,000 jobs added uh, for Friday's ADP. Uh, as some of the preliminary forecasts came out, um, again, as employment goes, that's how this sector goes. And as long as we remain north of uh, 50, uh, I'd still like to see it go back to where it was uh, last month at that 56.2, 55.2, rather, showing you know good, strong rate of growth month over month, which uh, again is uh, correlating to the activity levels of the respective companies and how labor intensive that they are. Okay, uh, it certainly makes sense. Anthony, as always, we appreciate you joining us on Manufacturing Talk Radio and giving us an update on the non-manufacturing side. It, it dovetails and impacts manufacturing greatly. They're, they go really hand in glove. So we appreciate you taking the time to be with us again. 
Well, thank you for having me on the show. Uh, again, we have been talking with Anthony Nieves, who is the chair of the Institute for Supply Management's Non-Manufacturing Business Survey Committee. They put out the uh, NMI report uh, each month. It comes out around the 3rd or the 4th. Um, you check with instituteforsupplymanagement.org, and keep in mind that in May they have their ISM 2017 conference. If you want to be involved in what's happening, get some real current information. I have to tell you that the semi-annual update is kind of a not, you can't miss event. Uh, that is really a terrific amount of information on what's happening in the industry up to the, the point in that year and then where they see it going forward. So consider going to the ISM conference. It's in Orlando, so there might be a tie-in with some uh, entertainment venues there. And we hope to have you on uh, again, Tony, in the very near future. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right. And that wraps us up for this episode of Manufacturing Talk Radio. As always, you can find any of our shows at mfgtalkradio.com. Feel free to go there and uh, hear this one. It will be posted shortly. And we look forward to you being with us again next week, Tuesday, 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, when we have our regular show. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for joining us on Manufacturing Talk Radio. You can hear our next broadcast each Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at mfgtalkradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>